You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points Podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. As the sustainable finance market continues to evolve and mature here in Canada, Investors, businesses, and other stakeholders are setting out the standards and requirements to access this rapidly growing market. Jason Taylor, Director of Sustainable Finance at Scotiabank, is back on the program to help demystify Canada's transition taxonomy. Hi, Jason. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Greg. It's nice to be here again. And it's nice to have you back uh, talking about such an important topic, um, essentially a critical one in modern finance, sustainable finance. Uh, and uh, more particularly today, uh, the topic of Canada's taxonomy. Uh, you hear about sustainable taxonomy, green taxonomy, transition taxonomy. Perhaps uh, kick things off for us, if you would, uh, describing what that is, uh, who's responsible for its development in Canada, and why it's important. Yeah, with with pleasure. So uh, it's actually a, a very interesting topic. Uh, beyond the term taxonomy, which could appear to be a, a bit esoteric for, for someone who's uh, approaching the, the space for the first time. But the easiest way to think about it is to think about a, a taxonomy as a, as a menu. It's a classification system that uh, determines whether uh, a project is eligible for a green or a transition bond. So in the context in Canada, this taxonomy is being developed by the Canadian Standards Association, uh, which is comprised of a, a pretty wide cross-section of uh, participants from the market, but primarily from the issuer, the investor, the underwriter community, and, and some of the service providers. And so I would say that more broadly speaking, more importantly is, you know, you know why the why is important about a taxonomy. And a taxonomy, the easiest way to think about it is, is it's a document that um, increases the amount of trust and uh, transparency that uh, people have in the market. So um, the trend, when I think about transparency and, and I, I think back to uh, the, the exchange world where, you know, markets are, are designed, market infrastructure is being designed so that uh, rules are clear, they're transparent, everybody's on the same starting line, um, there's less complexity, there's less confusion. So um, the same sort of idea applies within a tra transition document. And this particular document here, it's going to be a transition taxonomy as opposed to a green taxonomy. And it's designed to, to facilitate um, funding avenues for a company or a government that aspires to uh, modify and pivot their operations to, towards a low-carbon economy. And the transition definition in Canada is is going to be a definition where someone uh, aligns with a net zero 2050 commitment, so net zero on GHG emissions, through uh, a mix of reduction and offset. So projects that would qualify today, um, for example, may not qualify in a green taxonomy today because they're not green, um, but that have the potential to be uh, green in the future, uh, would would qualify in this sort of the the second tier of a, of a taxonomy. So um, this is an important taxonomy. Why? Because uh, you know we know that there's some sectors that 
uh, have the opportunity and potential to make some really significant contributions um, to some of the um, sustainability and climate change objectives. And as the uh, taxonomy continues down its path to development and acceptance, um, what principles are you sort of using to to move uh, transactions forward in the market? And and what advice are you are you sharing with clients with respect to their ability? Uh, to have confidence in in accessing the market. Yeah, no, definitely. I think this is an important topic because, um, you know, we don't necessarily think we need to wait for um, the taxonomy to be released. And even when it, it, it documents and guidelines do get published in their first iterations, you know, they usually have, um, they usually get rolled out in sequence over time and they, they get better as people have more experience on the committees. So um, I think, you know, if we apply this logic in the green context and we look at the amount of green funding that was issued prior to the ES European Sustainable Taxonomy being released, um, I think from an environmental perspective, you know, a few people would argue that the market should have delayed that, you know, call it several hundred billion dollars of funding. Um, if you look at the aggregate GHG reductions profile of that funding. So uh, I think, you know, similar logic is, is uh, all, I think, a good place to, to apply in transition as well. You know, we're fortunate, you know, I think oftentimes um, we lose sight of the fact that there's been, um, there's already been a little bit of precedence established in Europe. There's been half a dozen transactions. And, and uh, so we do have some anchor points. And but most importantly, I think it's it's rare for documents to, to, to be all things to all people uh, at a certain point when you're creating any, I think, most regulation, uh, at least in, in markets that there's a point where it gets handed off. Uh, the regulation sort of hands off to the market to fill in some of those gaps. And um, I think there's very few uh, underwriters that would blindly just apply any type of document on uh, an issuance. I think most groups, uh, under you know, at least in our case, uh, you know, we're very mindful of uh, companies' reputation, the capital markets. In a lot of cases, they've spent many years trying to build it, and um, you know, they they have little incentive to to take risks that would compromise them because of one transaction. So, and uh, you know, when we talk about sustainable finance, we're really talking about um, shared reputational risk. I think it's uh, everybody. It's important for everybody to work collectively to make sure that um, transa transactions have a high level of integrity. They're robust and they make sense and they're logical and they really designed to achieve what it is they're setting out to achieve. So, in often cases, you know, even in the green market, there's been uh, a growing incidence of transactions that have assurances on the bond that go over and above and beyond. The minimum requirements because um, you know people just in this day and age don't want to take any risk um, expose themselves because they they had an oversight or and um, and that could compromise them so I think you know collectively we, we definitely uh, go over and above regulation and you know even in the past uh, there were transactions that were potentially borderline transactions and in, in certain jurisdictions under certain guidelines but in reality, you know, we when we looked a bit deeper, you know, we asked ourselves the question, like, you know, is is this does this transaction make sense? And if you know, if there's a high level of stranded assets uh, in the portfolio with no real uh, ac 
strategy behind it to to maybe divest or maybe if we applied the ecosystem principle to the transaction and we realized that potentially a green asset was going to to facilitate um, an activity that had a really high GHG profile, we we have discouraged in the past uh, from accessing the sustainability market. So I think you know there's there's a healthy degree of skepticism around this, but I think that um, you know even if we look in Canada, uh, without the in the early days prior to the the fully baked European taxonomy or before the climate bond initiative taxonomy was rolling out all their sector standards you know transactions here in canada went went really well you know the very you know i i have yet to see a transaction in canada that was really um you know put was really profiled for being quote unquote perhaps looser or having um some type of greenwashing you know so i think we we shouldn't underestimate the um issuers that are accessing their desire to want to do things well and in a high quality manner um we're we're fortunate here to have two provinces that have won uh some nice awards around the green framework so um i i'm confident that you know the the canadian market and participants here in canada are gonna work hard to make sure that um you know canada continues to maintain high standards and we and we channel this capital in the right way in an efficient way and in a high quality manner is the development of um the sustainable finance market in general, and the evolution uh, of it ultimately coming from the investor community? So uh, 100%, uh, Greg, I, I, it's definitely being driven by them. Uh, they are raising their ambition, their profile, they're changing the way, pivoting the way they're allocating capital. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about the future of sustainable finance, to me, I can't help but think of an increasing environment where there's more uh, carbon budgeting. We saw the Net Zero 2050 Alliance launched last week, sorry, last year during Climate Week, where investors are now adding a, a carbon budget on on their capital. So that's going to change the way they allocate capital. We're also uh, starting to, to see a, a growing number of investors that are um, adding a, an evaluation a component on the portfolio that measures the overall ESG rating of the portfolio. So, and in, and in a lot of these cases, we're starting to see that you know portfolio and um, managers' compensation is being tied. So, you you know this is a very powerful incentive to really change behavior. You know, it's it's being incentivized, and so uh, we, we definitely see the, this behavior evolving. And uh, more importantly, what we find fascinating here in our work is that. Um, oftentimes in the early days of the green market, we we tend we would tend to segment the green from the non-green market. But in reality, what we're discovering is that they're both in- interconnected and interrelated. Uh, green investors are non are non-green investors, and and vice versa. So uh, if you take someone who's in a carbon budget, for example. Uh, they they're probably going to be measuring that carbon budget uh, at the company level, right? So that what means is that um, it applies to the entire GHG profile of, of the company and the government. So um, these are a lot of uh, some of the ways we're seeing the market evolve. We're just seeing also a lot of um, new funds being launched. The funds that were launched in the past are getting bigger. We're seeing some of the um, ETF space grow and respond and address. Uh, so very, some very interesting things going on right now. There's no question. Off the backs of the uh, in, in investor evolution and uh, continuing to become more savvy in the space, 
Uh, is there a has there been sort of a larger increased onus on on issuers and their responsibility with respect to reporting and auditability of projects? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think the reporting is a, is a very important aspect of the of this whole debate, and we're seeing it at two levels. We're seeing the reporting improve at at the issuer level, so the company level, which is their overall sustainability reporting, uh, whether it's through the the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board or the Global Reporting Initiative, so the SASB model and the GRI model. Then the amount of firms that are reporting there is reported to be increasing. The amount of uh, issuers, companies uh, that are reporting to the carbon disclosure project is also increasing. Um, And there's even been some interest research that's come out that's showing that, you know, those that are more transparent and have a higher quality uh, level of quality to the reporting are, are, are exposing themselves to some funding benefits. So we do see that as a trend. And on, by the same extension, we're also seeing uh, the increased reporting. And, and more importantly, the quality of the reporting is, is improving at the bond level. So um, the requirement within the green bond principles is that you do an annual use of proceeds report. And uh, and now we're starting to see some some of the issuers have that uh, annual report verified by a third party. So that's an excellent uh, evolution of the market. That's not a requirement, but and a good example of how the market is starting to fill in uh, in itself to, to try to increase that level of trust. And now we're seeing, although it's not a requirement uh, out as it stands today, but it will be in the European regulation that we saw a really high amount of issuers impact report uh, on a voluntary basis, which is a very positive sign for the market. And you also always have a subset that are very progressive and try to lead and uh, demonstrate uh, by example. And they've even taken that even a step further and had their impact reporting uh, third party verified. So you can see the will from from issuers is is really is really quite impressive, and uh, I'm very confident over time that the, this market infrastructure is just con- going to continue to build out, uh, and it's going to enable more capital to flow uh, a, a little more fluidly to, to these objectives. Do you see other areas of sustainable finance uh, developing in the same way we're seeing what's happening in the green space with the taxonomy, for instance? Do you see the same thing happening um, with respect to uh, the social market? The social market is, uh, to me, uh, a market that's uh, fascinating, and I have a, a lot of, of appreciation for it. And I, I think it's a market that's currently underdeveloped. But uh, we saw the the S Super Sovereign Agency Committee, so the SSA committee, um, you know, signaling a, a couple of years ago that this was an objective for them to develop, and they had the perfect headwind. Uh, sorry, the the perfect wind at their backs to to lift this market off with the pandemic. Uh, we saw, uh, I think it was over a hundred and something billion dollars of COVID-related funding. Not all of it was done within a social framework. Some of it was done. Uh, through a sustainability framework and some even through conventional funding, but um, it did enable the social market to sort of, quote unquote, if we will, lift off the ground. And uh, I think this is a market that's important, especially as investors start to segment and uh, triage the the use of proceeds from uh, either companies or uh, governments, for example. So, um, and we know that uh, going forward, there's a lot of compelling uh, social spending that that could fit 
get tucked nicely into the social market, especially in Canada, if we think about uh, some of the housing affordability metrics that, that have been getting becoming more and more challenging over the year. Uh, anything that addresses sort of the underserved segments of the population, um, whether it's it's subsidies or uh, healthcare spending or things of that nature or people that are disadvantaged or have disabilities or any anything that, that fits into the uh, social bond uh, uh, the social bond uh, target population definition so um, it's a market that I think is uh, underutilized in our opinion at the moment but uh, yeah we're excited to see it grow and and like uh, all things that the uh, ICMA, so the International Capital Markets Association, done. They, the, you know, they're they're very focused on it. They they've assigned a team, a working group around it. They've already made some progress. They received released some impact reporting guidance around it. They evolved some of the the use of proceed categories most recently. Uh, I only expect uh, this these guidelines and uh, the, this framework to evolve over time, and uh, it's one that we're very excited about. There's no question. That was Jason Taylor, Director of Sustainable Finance at Scotiabank. You can now find Scotiabank's Market Points on Apple Podcasts. Don't miss an opportunity to hear from industry thought leaders. Click subscribe. And if you've been enjoying Market Points, please be sure to rate and review us. You can also find more thought-leading content from Scotiabank on our website at gbm.scotiabank.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at ScotiabankGBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page, under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets. Please refer to our legal disclosures on our website. I'm Greg White, and thanks for listening.